Chapter 74 Though his will be good, his spirit and his prophecies are illusions of the devil. They are capable of deceiving many curious people and of causing great harm and scandal to the church of our Lord God. Opinion on Guillaume Postel, sent to Ignatius Loyola by the Jesuit fathers Salmeron, Lust, and Ugoletto, May 10, 1545. Belbo, detached, told us what he had concocted, but he didn't read his pages to us and eliminated all personal references. Indeed, he led us to believe that Abu Lafia had supplied him with the connections. The idea that Bacon was the author of the Rosicrucian manifestos he had already come upon somewhere or other, but one thing in particular struck me that Bacon was Viscount St. Albans. It buzzed in my head. It had something to do with my old thesis. I spent that night digging in my card file. Gentlemen, I said to my accomplices with a certain solemnity the next morning, we don't have to invent connections. They exist. When, in 1164, St. Bernard launched the idea of a council at Troyes to legitimize the Templars, among those charged to organize everything was the prior of St. Albans. St. Alban was the first English martyr who evangelized the British Isles. He lived in Verulamium, which became Bacon's property. He was a Celt and unquestionably a Druid initiate like St. Bernard. "'That's not very much,' Belbo said. "'Wait. This prior of St. Alban's was abbot of Saint-Martin-des-Champs, the abbey where the Conservatoire des Arts et Métiers was later installed.' Belbo reacted. "'My God!' And that's not all, I said. The conservatoire was conceived as homage to Bacon. On Vincent Brumaire of the year 111, the convention authorized its Comité d'instruction publique to have the complete works of Bacon printed. And on Dizuit Vendémiaire of the same year, the same convention had passed a law providing for the construction of a house of arts and trades that would reproduce the House of Solomon as described by Bacon in his New Atlantis, a place where all the inventions of mankind are collected. And so, Diotalevi asked, The pendulum is in the conservatoire, Belbo said. And from Diotalevi's reaction I realized that Belbo had told him about Foucault's pendulum. Not so fast, I said. The pendulum was invented and installed only in the last century. We should skip it. Skip it, Belbo said. Haven't you ever seen the monad hieroglyph of John D., the talisman that is supposed to concentrate all the wisdom of the universe? Doesn't it look like a pendulum? All right, I said, let's suppose a connection can be established. But how do we go from St. Albans to the pendulum? I was to learn how in the space of a few days. So then, the prior of St. Albans is the abbot of Saint-Martin-des-Champs, which therefore becomes a Templar center. Bacon, through his property, establishes a contact with the Druid followers of St. Albans. Now listen carefully. As Bacon is beginning his career in England, Guillaume Postel in France is ending his an almost imperceptible twitch on Belbo's face. I recalled the dialogue at Ricardo's show. Postel made Belbo think of the man who, in his mind, had robbed him of Lorenza, but it was the matter of an instant. Postel studies Hebrew, tries to demonstrate that it's the common matrix of all languages, translates the Zohar and the Bahir, has contacts with the Kabbalists, broaches a plan for universal peace similar to that of the German Rosicrucian groups, tries to convince the king of France to form an alliance with the sultan, visits Greece, Syria, Asia Minor, studies Arabic. In a word, he retraces the itinerary of Christian Rosenkreutz. And it is no accident that he signs some writings with the name of Rosis Perjus, he who scatters dew. 
Gassendi, in his Examen Philosophiae Fludanae, says that Rosenkreutz does not derive from Rosa, but from Rose, dew. In one of his manuscripts he speaks of a secret to be guarded until the time is ripe, and he says that pearls may not be cast before swine. Do you know where else this gospel quotation appears? On the title page of The Chemical Wedding. And Father Moran Merzen, in denouncing the Rosicrucian flood, says he is made of the same stuff as Ateus Magnus Postel. Furthermore, it seems D and Postel met in 1550, but perhaps they didn't yet know that they were both grand masters of the plan, scheduled to meet thirty years later in 1584. Now, Postel declares, Hear ye, hear ye, that being a direct descendant of the oldest son of Noah, and since Noah is the founder of the Celtic race and therefore of the civilization of the Druids, the king of France is the only legitimate pretender to the title king of the world. That's right, he talks about the king of the world. But three centuries before Dalvedra, We'll skip the fact that he falls in love with an old hag, Joanna, and considers her the divine Sophia. The man probably didn't have all his marbles. But powerful enemies he did have. They called him Dog, Execrable Monster, Cloaca of all heresies, a being possessed by a legion of demons. All the same, even with the Joanna scandal, the Inquisition doesn't consider him a heretic. Only Amen's a bit of a nut, let's say. The truth is, the Church doesn't dare destroy the man because they know he's the spokesman of some fairly powerful group. I would point out to you, Dio de Levi, that Postel travels also in the Orient, and is a contemporary of Isaac Luria. Draw whatever conclusions you like. Well, in 1564, the year in which D. writes his Monus Hieroglyphica, Postel retracts his heresies and retires to, guess where, the monastery of Saint-Martin-des-Champs. What's he waiting for? Obviously, he's waiting for 1584. Obviously, Diotalevi said. I went on. Are we agreed, then? Postel is Grand Master of the French group, awaiting the appointment with the English. But he dies in 1581, three years before it. Conclusions. First, the 1584 mishap took place because at that crucial moment a keen mind was missing, since Postel would have been able to figure out what was going on in the confusion of the calendars. Second, Saint-Martin was a place where the Templars were safe, always at home, where the man responsible for the third meeting immured himself and waited. Saint-Martin-des-Champs was the refuge. It all fits like a mosaic. Stick with me. At the time of the failed appointment, Bacon is only twenty-three, but in 1621 he becomes Viscount St. Albans. What does he find in the ancestral possessions? A mystery. Note that this is the year he is accused of corruption and imprisoned for a while. He had unearthed something that caused fear in someone. In whom? This is when Bacon understood that Saint-Martin should be watched. He conceived the idea of putting his House of Solomon there, the laboratory in which, through experimental means, the secret could be discovered. But, Diotalevi asked, how do we find the link between Bacon's followers and the revolutionary groups of the late 18th century? Could Freemasonry be the answer? Belbo said. Splendid idea. Actually, Allier suggested it to us that night at the castle. We should reconstruct the events. What exactly was going on then in those circles? 